Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. I'm your host, Anthony Corcoran. Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach today. I'm pretty thrilled to have as a guest today, Australian Opals head coach and Phoenix Mercury head coach, Sandy Brondello. Welcome, Sandy. Thank you, Anthony. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's great to talk to you again, reconnect. Um, one of the things that I'm trying to do with this podcast is is cover coaches at all levels in basketball in Australia and um, getting the the one of our most famous exports as a coach and um, someone that I sort of have known for a long time um, and having you on the, on the podcast is great. And so uh, I want to thank you for making the time. It, it's going to be great. Now you're welcome. So going back to uh, growing up in Mackay, uh, North Queensland, uh, one of the things I'd be interested in finding out is how'd you get involved in basketball? Well, I mean, really a great story. Well, I'm not sure if it's great, but um, <laughs> hey, every beginning is a great story because that's where it all started. Um, look, I was in a track and field, but um, my sister, she's 16 at the time. I was only 19. No, no, she was 14. I can't count. Um, she was, I was nine and her, a friend of hers wanted to play in the under 16 competition and I went along to watch her. Um, I must say they weren't very good uh, for my first uh, look at basketball. Um, but then there was a country team called Midgets Basketball Club and they were short of players. So I was approached by a coach, Carol Inch, there and, and asked if I was interested in playing. And, yeah, um, really the rest, is, the rest is history. And I, I really fell in love right from the start. It was just, um, you know, I suppose the teamwork and being around your friends, I think that's what I loved because I was, I was pretty, I was big into track and field and you know, that's a, that's an individual sport. And while I was good at it, basketball was, you know, became the, the love of my life, not quite all the way, but you know, I love my house <laughs> and my kids. Yeah. I, I, I recall having watched you play as a junior and that you were pretty, you know, you could have played any number of sports, but who were the early influences like in your game, you know, growing up as a player in Mackay? Yeah, well, I think, you know, obviously it starts with the coaches. So Carol Inch, I mean, she did a, she was, you know, obviously the head of the midget. So I played with her daughter as well. Um, but then from there, when I started representing Mackay, it was uh, uh, Norma Connolly. So I think everybody in the whole world knows Norma Connolly. And, and she's still coaching in Townsville, which is fantastic. Yeah. So much, you know, she's got so much passion for the games because it doesn't matter how old you are. Um, it's, you know, you just want to give back to the sport as much as you can. So look, that was my, really my introduction. So two pretty good coaches, um, coming from a small town of Mackay and, and, you know, really helped my development, um, you know, w- with stepping stone into going to the AIS and obviously making the Australian teams because, you know, we, lo- I learned enough skills to be able to, you know, to, to be a pretty decent player, but, um, you know, I also have to mention Brian Swindles and, um, he, he wasn't in coach per se, but he used to play. I'm not sure if you, um, know him or knew. Yeah. Him. Yeah. I know Brian. Yeah. yeah. He actually taught me how to do the jump shot. So oh, right. I had a board on the back of our uh, water tank at the back and he would put a weighted belt on me and, and would teach me how to shoot the jump shot. So, um, so very thankful for that. Cause that really, that was the biggest strength of my game. Um, that, you know, I, I, was, I became a great shooter. Yeah, I was actually, you must be a mind reader because that's the next question I was going to ask you is where did that jump shot come from? Because just for the people listening, when, when you were younger, you know, like you were getting three, four feet 
off the ground on your jump shot. And back then, I suppose a lot of the, the female players, you know, shot it from the hip. Um, you know, here's Sandy sort of doing really nice looking jump shots. So um, that did become a bit of a trademark for you, didn't it? The old jumper. Yeah, no, I did. And, and uh, you know, obviously people say oh, I wasn't much of a slasher driver to the basket. It's like, well, you have to realise, like, the back, the back, the backyard court was, you know, my dad put some boards together and, you know, pinned them all together and, and, and painted it white and put the square on it, <laughs> added the rim and we put it up on the water tank and, you know, there's not cement there, so it's kind of really uneven surface being on the grass. Um, so, look, so – and I couldn't do a layout, otherwise I'd, you know, take myself out. And <laughs> so, really, I just worked on my catch and shoot and my one-bounce pull-up because more than that, you would lose the ball on a, a rock that was, you know, around. Um, and that really became my trademark. And it's not that I, I practice a ton, to be quite honest. I'm going to say here, like the kids today, sometimes I think they practice a little too much. Well, they do in America. Um, yeah. There's too much playing in that. But, um, you know, before big tournaments, I'd be out there just working on, on my game with that. And, you know, I think the jump shot, it was just new. I mean, back in those days, I know everyone used to say I used to shoot like a man. Um, but, you know, I just had good teaching from Brian and I was diligent and when I needed to, I'd get out there and shoot and shoot the same shot every single time so it becomes like a muscle memory and yeah yeah i had a knack of putting the ball in the hole most most games not all games <laughs> <laughs> so you know just talking about your playing career highlights obviously um spent that time at the ais um you're obviously in the australian youth teams 10 seasons in the wnbl and MVP playing in 95 with the Brisbane Blazers, four Olympics with the Opals and three medals, so two silvers, one bronze, and then your career playing in the European League too with Germany and then uh, winning the Women's European Champions Cup. And then, you know, probably to top it all off, playing in the WNBA for, for a few years too. So what sort of reflections do you have now looking back on all that stuff that you did? Like it must be pretty incredible thinking back at how it all went and how it all played out. Yeah, yeah. Look, it is, and I'm like I'm really proud of the the career that I had, and and you know when you you know, talk to kids now, like they see and you explain to them everything that you've done, or um, and they think it was all easy. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it wasn't always easy. I think I had a pretty good career, but you know, there's injuries that you had to deal with as well, and obviously yeah. certain situations and team but overall like you know I had a I was really happy with my whole career, and um, you know I achieved all the goals that I set out to do. Um, I think I was a great teammate and, you know, very coachable. And and until the last day, until I retired after the Athens Olympics, I was the kind of player that this was my passion. This was my love. Though Every day I went to work and I, my goal was always to get better. And I felt like I continued to do that. And as I got older, it was more about mentoring the, the younger ones because I did retire at the age of 36. So yeah. you want to get back the things that you've learned. Um, you know, there's hardships along the way. Maybe you're not playing as well or getting the court time you, you want. And, but, you know, it's all about hard work and how you focus it. And, you know, players along the way have really helped uh, – coaches, I mean, have really helped me along the way. And, and none more – I've talked about my office, my introduction to the sport in Mackay, but the biggest influence on my career was um, Adrian Hurley. He was my coach at the AIS. He was also the Australian men's coach at the time. Um, and he's still someone that will reach out and um, has been um, a huge influence on my career, more for about he's someone that believed in me. And I yeah. think that goes a long way into helping you become the best you can because you just need that one person that will always believe on you, believe in you. And he did that and it's kind of helped me in my whole career. So I'm very grateful, obviously, the opportunity not for him to get the coach, but um, for him to mentor me. And I think that's important for all athletes and coaches and everyone in life to have that mentor. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, when you joined the, like, I guess, first playing as an Opal around about the age of 18, do you remember what that experience was like? And, you know, who were the players that you were playing with or against at that time that you looked up to? Yeah, I mean, you know, at the age of 18 to make the Opals, I mean, this is like, okay, this is one of my goals. And you get there and you obviously have all these role models, but um, they, they were great. Uh, a little intimidating, some of them, Robin Marr. <laughs> Um, you know, some of the older ones that you just had looked up to and then just play really tough. But, um, you know, it, and it was a hard work. But to get to the Opals, it's hard to make a team. To stay there, it's even harder. But I, you know, I say I worked really hard. The first few years I didn't play much. Um, but that just created a motivation in me. But, look, I had, you know, Michelle Timms and um, just, you know, obviously it's Robin Marr, but I had Paddy Micken. You had players, you know, would really take young under the wing. And that's kind of what I did as I got older because I remember those players that like, just kind of helped the transition. Because yeah. I remember when I was 18 years of age, you know, and these women, all grown women, have been playing for the Australian team for many years. So, but it was, um, they were really nice and, and it was, um, you know, a great introduction and, and it just fueled my hunger to, to want more, to, to, to be the best I can be and help in any way. And, um, and that's why, you know, I went to Europe and play and I played all year round. I did that for many, many years because yeah. I loved playing basketball. I just loved it. I loved the competition. Um, but, um, you know, and I was able to play, play for 18 years, 17 years with the Opals. And, you know, but I, I was satisfied when I left and, and people always ask what was it like when I retired. It was like, you know, it was actually easier because I went into coaching. So I was still being a part of the, the game that has consumed my, my whole life. And, yeah. you know, and it still is and it, I'm sure it will be for many years to come. Yeah. Over that time that, you know, you played with the Opals, obviously you talked about Dr. Adrian Hurley, but there must have been like, you know, Australia have some really good um, senior program coaches. Like were there any other coaches that had uh, an influence on probably like how you were as a player, but also things that you maybe put in your back pocket for uh, and that you might be using now or, or things that you use as a head coach now? Yeah, no, definitely. Because look, you know, everyone, every coach is different. They, they find their own way, what works for them. Personalities are different, but you know, I learned from every coach. And, and so, but I, if I had to single out any, it would obviously Tom Ma, you know, I think when he took the Opals program out and really instilled a toughness in us, um, he made me more mentally tough, but he kind of, you know, the defensive side of the game, he, you know, really, um, helped me there. Um, yeah. Um, but then obviously in the WNBA, I had a, an, a former NBA coach. Well, he went back to NBA coaching, but with the Miami soul, I had um, Ron Ronstein. All right. He was amazing. And I just caught up with him in Miami again. And like I said, we talk about community. It's fantastic. And I just love the way that he taught the game. Because, you know, we're teachers of the game. We're just not, you know, dictators. We're teachers of the game. And even though he was this, you know, he was in his 60s. I don't know how old he was. I shouldn't say 16. <laughs> I don't know. He was in his 50s, 60s, but he just had so much experience. But it was the way he had never coached women before. But I just love the way that he, he um, coached the game in tortoise and um you know everything surrounding it on and off the court and so you know along the way I just kind of put in the memory bank I mean I, I knew I always wanted to be a coach yeah. um, things but in the end it's you know you have passion to it's all about the preparation um but I think the biggest influence in in my whole coaching career has to pro, you know and and my playing is my husband um you know he he came to the team that I was coaching in Wuppertal not yeah. coach I was playing for back in 1995 he came yeah um and you know well you know obviously when love hits it hits but <laughs> you know, 
a, just a, a great, um, just to see what coaching was all about, um, you know, because, you know, just watching him prepare for the games and that's was a great education for me. Yeah. Uh, obviously playing, I prepared myself the way I could with, you know, food preparation, recovery and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, watching the coaches from a young age and he was a great coach himself. So, I mean, it's great to, you know, have someone in the household that I can share ideas with and, and you know, continue to, to learn from as well. Yeah. And you talked a little bit about injuries and, you know, playing for that long at, at a high level, no doubt you're going to get a few. So what sort of, how did you achieve that longevity? Like, was there one thing in particular or just, uh, you know, staying ready and staying fit? And then if you did get injured, like a pretty, I, I would assume the, you know, the injury management program be pretty important as well. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, injuries are part of sport, unfortunately. And, um, you know, I've had my fair of injuries, but nothing so severe as a torn Achilles or an ACL. Yeah. Uh, my my biggest injuries were I had three stress fractures of the navicular, which is quite serious because it's it, it doesn't um, – there's not much blood circulation down there and into the little bone um, on your foot. So I was actually eight weeks non-weight bearing. And then, you know, coming back, so it's still not a, a 12-month injury with it like an ACL. So it was still frustrating because I always – I hated being injured. But, you know, sometimes I say things happen for a reason because you have to learn to uh, – uh, slow down a little bit and have a little bit more patience and then build your body back up. But injuries happen and, you know, they're the, the, uh, it's really – and that's the injury that ultimately ended my career because one of my stress fractures never properly healed. So I was playing with that pain and you just get tired of that. But at the age of 36, yeah. I was happy to step away. But I had really unfortunate timing in some of my injuries. I played with a stress fracture during the Atlanta Olympics. Um, six weeks leading in, I was diagnosed with a stress fracture. All oh, right. It's quite, quite painful. Um, so, But I was very happy that we won the bronze medal because I got through. I dealt with the pain. I think that's uh, I think that's part of my mental toughness too. I had to try and block that out and do the best yeah. I could. Um, but I wasn't going to miss out and go on to the Olympics. And, you know, straight after the Olympics, I went into, you know, a cast, you know, and, um, but yeah, it is what it is. I've had, you know, multiple injuries, but it's more, um, you know, you just, it's part of the game and it's, it, it challenged you mentally, but, um, I was someone that really, I probably overtrained to be quite honest. <laughs> I did. And, and I think now we're much better at, uh, finding the right balance of the right training. Um, but I still think the only way you get better is through hard work. Mm. And, and that's what, you know, I, I think the secret to my success is I, I work really hard to be the best player that I could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, the results speak for themselves really. When you, you mentioned before you retired after the Athens Olympics, was that just a case of, I'm not sure of the timeline here, but was it like the Olympics were over and then you, you finished playing? Like, Full stop. No, or? I, had, I had actually leading into the Olympics. So, two thousand and three, I went to play in um, Spain and uh, had got another stress fracture in my foot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then I was non weight bearing, and I was over in Germany. My husband was coaching a, a German um, a Division One assistant coaching there in men's league, and so you know he was away a lot. And then I was just work. Uh, I I came back there, but I had a stress fracture. And I was non weight bearing, and then I got. Uh, deep vein thrombosis. All right. Uh, yeah, and if you know that, that's no fun. I wasn't allowed to travel for three months um, yep. as long as I was non-weight bearing. And, um, you know, and it's more like, wow, you know, I mean, how am I going to achieve my goals now? So I'm kind of put back in the training. But, you know, I just found ways to train. I swam. I went to the gym. Um, you know, I think a lot of muscle memory because all the experiences I've had for the, 
you know, obviously over the years, I'm, I'm 35 years of age now, so I kind of knew how to deal with it. And I think that helped me get through it. Um, I did make the decision during that year not to go back to the WNBA, which was hard for me because I loved playing in the WNBA. I loved challenging myself against the best players in the world. But it enabled me, it's like, and then I just set, set my mind, okay, my goal is to make the Opals, you know, to the to Athens. And, um, you know, I'm thankful I did, and I got to, to experience that with, um, not just win a silver medal, but experience with some of my friends and my lifelong friends and, you know, friends to today. I'm actually in Adelaide with Rachel Spawn. She's one of my best friends and we had we shared many moments playing with the Opals. But it was, I had I had said because of the injuries leading into it that this was my last, you know, I make the Olympics, that's my last hurrah. <laughs> I made sure I enjoyed it and it was one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And and I suppose moving on to your WNBA coaching career. So you've been in, in the league in one way or another as a coach for about 15 years. Is that about right? Yeah, I came in and um, after I retired uh, 2005, I, um, yeah, right away I started as assistant coach for San Antonio Silverstars. So it's been yeah, 15 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you said, San Antonio Silverstars as assistant coach and then you were the head coach and then you went over to LA and in 2013 got the job there as head coach of the Phoenix Mercury. So, um, and also 2014, you guys won the WNBA finals. So, when you started coaching in the WNBA, like what was your first impressions of the league? Well, you know, obviously it's because I've played in the league. Yeah. Um, it's the best league in the world. You've got the best athletes. Uh, I just love the competition. Um, you know, we had great crowds and we had great support. And But we're getting to do something that we loved and not everyone could because back in those days, I mean, there was only like 12 teams. There's still only 12 teams. So that's... Mm you got the best of the best in the, in the league. And I like that we played regularly, you know, it's, you know, we played a, a lot of games in a short amount of time because it's played during the summer. Um, but I also, you know, obviously being a player for so long, playing at the highest level for so long, I wanted to coach, you know, I wanted to coach in the best league in the world. So it was, you know, it's, it's great that it's the, the Dan Hughes who gave me my first job. He knew me as a player and he liked it. Um, obviously the way I played, I didn't know him personally, but I, you know, uh, we spoke it and he offered me the job and like you say the rest is history so um yeah you know great man he's still coaching with the Seattle Storm and and Brian Agler was one of the assistants well he's the head coach of the Dallas Wings um so we're all still around and it's like I said it's um you know I love coaching there it's a challenge every single year because it's it's the hardest thing to do is is to win championships there and mm. you know I'm lucky to win one um you know I want to definitely get another one and we've been close but you know it's those one percenters now but you need to win in that league you need talent and um, yeah. this year, well this year was a bit of a tough one for us because we had so many injuries but you know we have to keep looking forward and hopefully keep building a better team yeah so uh, year on year like how do you retain players because like you said it is a very competitive league and they are the you know the best players going around so do you have like a strategy around that like, about how to retain players well, we do, but so you look, obviously the rookies that we draft, um, they're on a four year contract, so they can't go anywhere anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh, sorry, sorry, they're three years and then the fourth year they become a restricted agent and the fifth year they can become a free agent, but you're allowed to call one player. So usually your best players are called uh, so they can just, you know, obviously can't leave and um, not that they can't leave. It means you can, you can get some value for them through trades. So yeah. 
you know, players just can't decide every year that they're going to just take a one year and change. There is still, um, you know, to, to, to make sure that doesn't happen. And we're currently in a, obviously in the midst of a, a collective bargaining agreement, um, you know, which we hope to be resolved soon. But, you know, the strategy is just trying to get the best teams you can. But sometimes it's hard because players are under contract. You can't, yeah. unless you're doing a trade, you have to have assets and then you still have a salary cap as well as, you know, it, it is a strategy, making sure you have the right team put together and sometimes you just got to, you know, take the best player that's available um, because players are just not about, um, free for you or through trade, you're not able to or you you try to uh, free agents, you, you covered them but they choose other teams. But, you know, we've been good. We've been able to get pretty strong teams over the years. Uh, I think Phoenix... Um, we have a great reputation as a great organisation and we really take care of the players. Uh, we have a lot of success. We have some great players, obviously, Diana Tarassi and Brittany Griner. And I think that helps as well too. But, you know, every year is a new challenge. I just got off a conference call with my uh, with my general manager as well, talking about, you know, you know, next year when we can start talking to players, you know, the kind of players we want. So um, you just hopefully that things work out. <laughs> <laughs> when you're, uh, like, just talking about Diana Tarassi, obviously, you know, like a really experienced player. I think she's been to four Olympics as well. And, um, yeah, and go to the fifth one next year. Oh, really? Wow, that's awesome. And so what sort of influence and guidance, you know, does she bring to your team? Um, I sort of read online she had a few injuries this past season, but obviously she's she's like a real, real asset to have. She is. Look, to me, she's the greatest player of all time. Um, and that's a big statement because there have been other wonderful players and, and maybe someone will overtake her in the future. But what what separates her is her will to win. Um, I've never come across it. She works harder than anyone else. She is not 37 years of age, 38 years of age next year. Yeah. She's, had, she's been recovering. She worked so hard to get back on the court this year, but it just wasn't to be. Her, her body wasn't allowing her. But her, the way that she goes about getting ready is is amazing. It's attention to detail. And you're like, you get her onto the court, um, she, I mean, she just goes hard. She doesn't know any other speed. Um, and she can will people and she can have a bad shooting game in the first one. She, you know, she's one of the mentally, most mentally tough players I know. And then the, in the, when we need to, you know, shoot badly all game and then make big shots when we need to. She loves that big moment. Mm. Uh, she's, I mean, I think her record speaks to herself. I mean, what she's been able to achieve with all the uh, championships with the, the Olympics and, not, and the WNBA as, as well and uh, college. Uh, so, yeah, she's a great leader. So, yeah, of course, you know, obviously she's I, – I meet with her and I pick her brain and what kind of players that we need and um – you know, it's a part of it's a part of her process too. I want the best players to be fully, uh, you know, involved in and who we want to bring in because yeah. ultimately they, they need to play with them as well. So I think it's a collaborative effort. And I, it, it's not just me at the top and deciding everything. I like to talk to the players. I mean, I've been there, done that. I've been a former player. So you want players to come in that we think that can, you know, suit the style that we play, but match the players that we have as well. Yeah, I mean, have you found a way to, you know, put into a jar that competitiveness that a player like her brings? <laughs> I know. I was asked the question the other day: is like, can you train grit? And I said that's a great question because my husband and I discussed that at times, and I've talked to other uh, coaches as well. You know, the gritty players, they're. they're I don't know. I mean, I just I said I don't know if they either got it or you don't, but I think you can get a little bit better in certain areas, maybe the mental toughness and getting tougher in that regard but um you know it's it's hard but but you would love her competitive spirit 
you know, it's just amazing. And I think with more experience, more and more players, I think you see Brittany Griner now too. I mean, she's real competitive too, like in a different way, but she can carry a game as well. Um, and it's just great to see. I mean, you can develop that side of it. But, yeah, Diana's just she, – she's a special player and um, she just – you know, just has so much confidence and so she should because she puts so much work in and that's why she's one of the best players in the world or the GOAT, as I say. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I just wanted to sort of revisit your 2019 Mercury season. So you guys um, didn't make it through the finals, but Brittany Griner was named in the all WNBA first team. Brianna Turner was named in the 2019 WNBA all rookie team. And then Lalani Mitchell got the... MVP award for the second time. So to me that... Most improved award, yeah. Yeah. So to me that sounds like a pretty good year, but what does success look like for you at that level? Well, look, we actually, in in WNBA, it's the top eight that make it and it's the first two rounds of knockouts. We actually did make the playoffs, but we got knocked out in the first game, um, which was not a surprise. Brittany Griner got hurt and didn't play. And um, it was one of those years you... It's a big learning curve. Why? Is because we had so many injuries. We went into the season, you know, we obviously build a team around Diana Trussie. She gets injured, has surgery, um, not coming back for 12 games, but doesn't really come back. I and mean, we tries to come back for a few games, but she's not fully fit and it's unfair for her to try and push through. We needed to get healthy. So, you know, losing the leader of the pack, that really obviously put us in the back foot. We had other injuries coming into the game. Sancho Little still coming back, Camille Little. Um, you know, we drafted three rookies. Um, it was um, it was one of those seasons that was tough, but I think like sometimes you have to go through that because to to appreciate the good times you have to go through the bad times and the bad times in terms of we were an injury plagued team mm. this year. We never played with our full team in. We had one game, twenty minutes where we played with our full roster, and you know we thought we had a decent roster to to at least finish in that top four. But like we have um, every other year that I've been there, but you know it just wasn't to be, and that's. Um, you know, we know there's areas we need to get better at. We have to, you know, we've had pl- some players retire and we need to get more athletic. We need to, to get, um, you know, uh, more shooters and as people that can create their own play. And that's what we're working on. But, um, but it was still good to see with our limited players that we have. I mean, there was a stretch in, during the season, seven available players and playing oh, yeah. three days. Week. I had like four in boots and Diana obviously out because of her back and hamstrings. So it was more like, it was like, are you kidding me? This is like a, a dream. Is that, is that real over there? You look <laughs> well, only you can, you can go on. So, but it gave experience um, for opportunities for the younger players to play. You talked about Brianna Turner. She was named into the rookie all-star. She didn't play at the start of the year, um, but she got to start and was really productive for us. She's now playing for the Adelaide Lightning and was player of the week last week. So it's great to see that, you know, building in the confidence the more that she gets to play. Because a step from college to WNBA, it's a big step for some. Mm. You know, it's a totally different league. You're playing against grown-ups, not people at your own age. You're obviously the best in the world. Um, so that was that was great, giving opportunities for those players. Sophie Cunningham plays for the Melbourne Boomers. She got a many opportunities too so it helps the learning progress so in the future I mean that's going to help us Um, even though it was frustrating because we could never field our best team um, it was good for other players to get that experience so and but it was unfortunate Alana Smith had season-ending surgery as well because you know she would have had those opportunities and and would been able to get a little bit more comfortable playing in the league yeah yeah for sure and so 
and yeah, like all the best for, for next season too. Obviously, you're already working on that. But uh, in between, I guess you've got uh, Opal's preparation. So um, one of the questions I, I wanted to ask you is, you know, bringing together Australia's best players, what's the typical training camp program look like and, and how do you put that together? Yeah, I mean... Well, obviously, with the right now at the moment, it's been uh, the the different formats that they have the new qualification series, which means we just have little pockets now. Yeah. Um, and it's been really. I'm not sure if I'm a big fan of it because what Australia does, and compared to like let's just say the Asia Asia Cup, like we had like five days, six days to prepare before we went there, and players hadn't played all off season if they weren't in the WNBA. Some of them were coming back from injury, whereas my uh, my uh, our opponents in Japan and China and Korea have been practicing since April. Right. <laughs> so it's all like, you know, we're, you know, it's hard. And the biggest thing is preparation. Now, look, my team couldn't do that. You know, that's not how we built. We don't want to be training the whole time. Um, but, um, you know, I wish we had a little bit more preparation time. I think our success going into the World Cup was um, – you know, we had good preparation. We had a camp in, uh, we had a camp, uh, we had the, obviously a camp in um, Italy in February in 2018. We had the Commonwealth Games with, you know, obviously only six were there from the, the World Cup team, but, you know, that was good. But then we had another camp leading into it. And then leading into the World Cup, we had games, a lot of games. And that's where we got a little lush, rusty to start off, but we gained chemistry because we don't spend a lot of time together. It's the only way you get better is spending time together. Yeah. Uh, building the chemistry together and we got better and better so the time the world cup come two and a half weeks later we we're actually hitting our straps we weren't peaking but we were, we started to peak at the right time um now it's hard really because like uh the recent pre-olympic ones in malaysia i mean it's no it's it is what it is it's we have two days to train mm. and it's you know it's just not a lot of preparation time um, and, and we don't get a good enough, you know, opponents. The only way you can get better is playing or obviously really great opponents. And we've lost to Japan and Japan are a really good team and it's yeah. a style that we don't play very often. So, you know, I always look back and, and try and see the glass half full. It's like, well, mate, that's a good thing for us. Maybe we need that because we can't get a little complacent. thing in 2018 went well for us. You know, we've got to be better. Teams are getting better. Countries are getting better. We have to be better. Um, the unfortunate thing is I get two more days for the pre-Olympics in France in, in February. Uh, yeah. Where we have to, that's where we qualify for the Olympics. We have to finish in the top three, which we will because we're a good team and as you know, as long as they also stay healthy. Um, but then leading into the Olympics will be different because then it's more of an extended program. And I think that's, you know, we don't spend as much time as a lot of the other country, Asian countries in particular. Um, even the USA are doing more training than us at the moment. But, look, I think if we when we don't need a lot of be together all the time, but we need really great games and we'll get that leading into the Olympics. So I think that will be ideal preparation. And our goal is to, you know, the two days in February that we get in France, we just got to make sure that we're, you know, we're locked in and um, we've got to play well. Um, because and shoot the ball well we haven't done that in the last two games against japan so they're our goal so it's a we'll get there so we've got some we've got a lot of talented players and a lot of depth now it's just making sure we keep building the chemistry yeah for sure what is the focus so just talking a bit more technical or tactical like what is the focus for the team in terms of how you want to see them play in terms of style of play like offensively and defensively well you know i actually like to hang my hat on it um but look if you love i but to build that defensive um you know it's it takes five players to be a great defensive team and if one's breaking down against the best teams you're going to be exploited and i look back to the japan thing we just we made too many 
just silly mistakes more than anything. Um, so that's an area. It's like, well, why did we make that? Maybe what's what do we could have done better? So the areas that I try and learn from, it's more, you know, not just the players, but we made silly mistakes. We know the rules. It's like, but maybe the competition. We don't play good enough teams when we're challenged a little bit to stay there. And like I said, Japan's a good team, and they um, they played well. We grinded it back into the game. We did, and, and and but I like to hang my hat on defense. Let the offense come out of that. But we with limited time to prepare, it's. You know, Liz, Liz, Liz was injured in leading into – she hadn't played since WNBA and we had her at Malaysia uh, recently, but she wasn't able to practice much. So um, it was hard on Liz, you know. She's trying to come back. She wants to be there. But, um, you know, we just didn't have that, that chemistry. So um, it's good that obviously everyone's healthy. Touch wood, everyone stay healthy. We can get uh, – Liz will be back in January, so she'll be able to practice with the Flyers. But everyone else is playing. We'll, we'll use the two days. And um, a lot of the – WNBL play teams with my assistant coaches play very similar plays and very similar styles defensively. So that helps. Um, yeah, and that's, you know, we need to be a great defensive team, great rebounding team, but, but you able to score in multiple ways. We have one of the best players in the world is Liz Cambage, but we need outside scoring as well. And that's something that let us down in the recent games that we had. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, so you have some particular focus areas in terms of how you'll get that offense uh, working the way you want to get it done? Well, it's more about, you know, I always say it's ball player movement inside, out, outside attack. We want that yeah. because that makes us hard to guard. Playing to your strengths, knowing your roles, obviously that, I think that's very important. But knowing at times we're going to go to players. We have, like, we have Liz Cambage. So obviously, you know, at times we want to go to her. We know Beck Allen's a great shooter. We need to go to her. So it's knowing, you know, the plays, what we run for each other. But not at any time... Remember, the, the hardest thing to guard is ball movement, and that's why I try and encourage. And, you know, we can, we can definitely still do it better. We really, like I said, we look back, you know, and I, I don't like to look back in the past because it's the past, but it's more like I show them this is how we played at the World Cup, okay? So we've done that. So now it's more about, you know, I know we had more time together. It's like, you know, yes, just keep playing together and just playing, playing hard, and usually good things happen. Um, and this is the Opal style. We just got to make sure we get back to, to doing the things that we set out for ourselves um, mm. to, to help us making sure that, you know, we're standing on the dice at the end of those big tournaments. Yeah, yeah. So when you talk to the team about, you know, what it means to play for the Opals, having, you know, been a player in that, in that group for a, for a fair while, what's, the, what's, what's that sound like, you know, when you're talking to the, to the team and saying, hey, you know, this is um, the Australian Opals? Can you give us some insights into that? Yeah, look, I mean... Everyone wants to play for the Opals. That's the highlight of anyone. It, over, it, it goes over the WNBA, anything else, because representing your country is important. And, you know, I always, you know, obviously I've been there, done that. So, I'm, you know, I've got Trish Fallon on my staff players. She's been a part of it as well too. And, you know, I try to remind them of, you know, this is your legacy. You know, this is the Opals legacy and this is what's expected of us and how we want to play and that, that toughness, the kind of player that we want to be. But, you know, obviously in the playbook, I, I had, I had asked former Opals um, to write it, what it meant to them to be an Opal. Um, and, you know, we talk about that because it does mean a lot. Um, so it means, you know, your commitment, you're, you're a committed player, you're a team player. Um, you know, obviously all the themes that we come up and, you know, I know in the past that we've had that, I know it was very useful. You know, we have the same thing. It's called uprated it, whereas every letter goes from, for, you know, something that can, we can resemble, but uprated, we need to say that we need, we know we need to get back to being an opal, what, what we stand for. 
Um, so look, you know, I think it's, it's, you know, everyone wants to play. My hardest job for me is obviously when you, you want to take, you know, cut people from the team because they're not selected. That's tough because you're killing someone's dream. But at the same time, you've got to keep working and believing you're going to be there because uh, nothing tops playing into in, in Olympic games. And, and that's how, you know, obviously 2020 is a big year for us and we want to make sure that we're playing our best basketball when it counts. Yeah. So like you said, you've got the, uh, the FIBA Olympic qualifying tournament coming up in February with that squad of 20, you've got, how do you, you know, you've got to make some tough decisions. And like you said, um, how do you, how do you do that? And do you have a panel of people to help you with that? Or is that, where do you get your, um, how do you make the final decisions about who's going to play? Well, the coaching stuff, um, you know, we make those decisions and uh, we've had two tournaments from Asia Cup and we evaluate them from that. And obviously they're back in WNBL season. Now we evaluate those games. I'm watching as many games as I can. Um, you know, because the beauty of the internet, you know, you're able to watch it on huddle. <laughs> for me. And so it's good just seeing where they're at. But look, you know, when putting a team together, you have to have to make sure you have the right balance. Now, I don't always think the right, the best team is always the 12 best players because yeah. you need balance around your, you know, the positions on the court and obviously the strengths that they have. And that's when we think about, like, see next, uh, next rounds of games we're playing. Uh, we have France and that's a tough game. And we know Brazil, they're big and strong and fast. And, and then Puerto Rico nearly beat Canada recently at their last pre-Olympic tournament. Um, so, and, you know, they're fast as well too. So it's more about, yes, putting the team together where, where, you know, we have our core group. You have to keep your core group together because we have limited time together that we need to keep them integrated and, and that's the only way we can continue to build chemistry. And then, you know, those last few shot, uh, spots, it's more about who's going to help us the most. And it can change, you know. I mean, there's so many great players out there, but, um, you know, we just hope we get it right. And you just never know until it, until it happens. And um, so, but we'll see. It's a big year. So hopefully everyone stays healthy and they can make our decision even harder. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned, yeah, the Olympics, um, for people who don't know, starts around about the second or third week in July and going through to August. So are you feeling expectations around, uh, what the Opals should, should be able to achieve in that, in that tournament? Look, um, we're the Opals. I mean, we have we have our expectations. When I took over this job, no difference. Like, you know, just when I played, our expectations are to win medals. That's what's expected of us. And that's a realistic thing. And we have to believe in that without not we're knowing that it's hard work because the rest of the world keeps getting better and better. And you have to make sure that you're playing well um, from one game to another. And that's, and that's what it's about. You, uh, and I remember like, you know, you have one bad game in those kind of tournaments and it, it can hurt. It affects where you're going to fall because then you're crossing over. You may be crossing over the USA a little sooner than you want to cross over with them. Mm. Um, but you know, but for me, it's, we, we need to win medals, you know, and that's the goal. And that's, you know, that's all my focus is, is, is just making sure that we're, we're ready to go when it matters and can keep building that we can win a medal again. And, um, so hopefully that we achieve our goals. Yeah. And, um, and I think, you know, like I think everyone's behind you in that regard. I think you've, um, you, you've, you've certainly got the, the players to be able to, to get the results. So, um, you know, all the best of luck with that because I think you'll, you're going to, and with you coaching as well, Sandy, I think everyone loves uh, having you at the helm. So, um, you know, I think you're, you're going to do great. 
Yeah. Well, well, I hope so. I appreciate that. You know, and then, like I said, I want to make sure that I'm doing the best job that I can too. And, and, you know, it's a, it's, we're a team and it's exciting. It's exciting to be coaching the Opals, but I understand the expectations that, um, you know, we have of ourselves. So we'll all be working hard to make sure we achieve our goals. Yeah. Excellent. So you're in Australia at the moment, uh, down in Adelaide, uh, Canberra last weekend. What's your, is, like, this uh, obviously probably back for Christmas, go see the family and that sort of thing. But you said you're checking out a bit of basketball around the place as well. Have you got a pretty busy schedule while you're home? Yeah, I do. But that's how that's how I love it. I mean, number one, I love coming back home and I still say home. Uh, you know, people say, where is your home? Where do you think you're going to hmm. live? Like, you know, I could live anywhere. America's been great for us. There's a lot of great opportunities for there. Um, but I look, I love coaching the Opals. It allows me to come back even more often. Um and, you know, now I come back, I, I just watched the top of the table cl- clash in uh, Canberra on the weekends between the Capitals and the Flyers. That was a, you know, that was like a playoff game, really. I mean, it wasn't always pretty, uh, but a hard fought win for the, for the Flyers. And, and you know, that's, it's, it's exciting to watch. I think we have a really strong league here. So, which, which is great because it helps improve all the individual players as well. And if they improve, the Opals get better, um, not just the WNBL. Um, but look, I'm back in Adelaide. I flew into Adelaide last night. I, I've uh, staying with Rachel Spawn, as I said, one of my be- one of my very good friends, and I love catching up with her. But I'm here for the Free Throw Foundation. I'm going to be a guest speaker there on, on Friday at lunchtime, and then Saturday I'll head to Melbourne and, and I'll watch two more games down there and, and catch up with a few players as well. So it's a just an opportunity, you know, to meet one on one with some of the players that I get to see, watch some high quality games. But I do will also get a holiday. Um, it's a big year coming up. I've just had a big year with the travel and this is my time to, to go back to my happy place and see forth Queensland and be with my family and, and enjoy a few days off while still working, but I can't help myself. I can watch games and, um, you know, both here and overseas and, and staying up with all my players, but that's how I love it. But it'll be a good time just to recharge the batteries and, um, you know, my husband and children are flying through and being with my family by the beach. So nothing better in Queensland, isn't it? Yeah, down the beach. That's that's the go. So I was going to ask you, you know, like obviously you do like have a hectic schedule by the sounds of it. And um, how do you how do you find ways to balance that that work life mix? And you know, are you, do you, do you sort of practice that sort of mindfulness stuff and being being present and all that sort of thing? Yeah, look, I do. I have two young children, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. There's times where work will override that um, because, you know, especially in the WNBA season, you, you, we play three games a week, so you're like all over the place, but trying to get stuff done. And I, I've, I've had to learn, like, sometimes I probably over prepare, like, a little bit, do a little bit too much, but, you know, my kids are great for that because I realize when they come home, I want to spend quality time with them too. It's more like I need to get away at times because it just freshens me up a little bit, making sure that I get my quality rest as well. You know, back in the gym working out time, you know, uh, making sure that's a great outlet for me. And, you know, and all things that comes down to it because, you know, coaching is, it can be stressful too. Um, mm. But I love, I love the challenge. I do love the challenge. Um, but, you know, I, it's great that my husband's also a pro coach so I can, you know, brainstorm with him when I ever need to without overdoing it at home. And then I have young children and, and, and nothing beats trying to spend some quality time with them when I can. Yeah, you'd be. I saw a clip of you uh, coaching in one of your kids' teams over there in Phoenix at a school yeah. comp or something like that. That sounded oh, like 
pretty good fun. Yeah, no, good fun. I had I got a few more grey hairs after doing that, but um, we're back <laughs> in that now. My husband and I are doing it again this year, and you know, my son enjoys it, and I think the the kids all enjoy it too. But oh boy, nine year old, uh, twelve year old, thirteen year old boys. I mean, it's like you know, you're yelling at them the whole time because they're just <laughs> they're good kids. They're good kids. So I look forward to getting back. We have our tournament play, and and let's see how we go. Yeah, nice. Well, Sandy, I want to thank you again for joining me today. It's been great to catch up again and see see what's happening with the Opals and, and, the, and the Phoenix Mercury. But yeah, like I said earlier, all the very best for next year. You're going to have a busy year and it sounds like uh, you've got everything in place to, to sort of uh, get the best out of the, out of the squad you've got and um, and you know really compete which is which is sort of what I guess everyone wants to wants for the opals is that you guys uh, leave, you know leave nothing in the tank and you and you put and you get the results that you deserve because um, yeah so close for for a long period of time to get in the gold medal uh, at the Olympics and uh, 2020 could be the year yeah, you know, let's hope so. So everyone's just sent good vibes on that. So <laughs> to you. it really is. It's great to be back home. But um, yeah, thanks, Anthony. No worries, Sandy. And uh, all the best, thing. Okay, thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. You can get in touch with me through my email at australianbasketballcoach at gmail.com. That's australianbasketballcoach, all one word, lowercase, at gmail.com. Also, follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Oz B-Ball Coach and also on Facebook with Australian Basketball Coach. So uh, looking forward to hearing from you and thanks again for listening.